Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Hey, Rob, welcome back to the table. Um, we're kind of in a different setting. I know this will release on a Tuesday, but it's yeah. a Friday morning for us. It's a beautiful Friday morning. And we don't do a lot of recordings on Friday mornings. Not a ton. So we've had extra coffee this morning. Actually, I have, which... Have you? I'm progressing Good. back into caffeine slowly. <laughs> is there any slow progression back to caffeine? <laughs> what I mean by slowly is just slowing down the cups that I've drank. So so I'll, we'll get to our guest here in a minute, but i got a quick story. So yeah. I, I had to go get my oil changed at Honda of Cleveland, which is a great place. Shout out to Honda of Cleveland. But they typically have this like coffee machine. You can just keep getting coffee. Yeah. But they're really slow getting my oil changed. So I call it my second favorite coffee shop in town because the coffee's free, but the oil change is expensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I get a lot of coffee. The coffee machine was broken today. So I asked at the counter, I said, do I get a discount on my oil change because the coffee machine was broken? If you could see my facial expression, this is ridiculous. Anyways, we're way off track. But we do have a friend. I don't even know if she drinks coffee, but we have a brand new friend with us. Gabrielle Odom, uh, she's she really loves coffee. She loves coffee. She loves, okay, it's a good she show already. A, uh, she's a Gen Zer. <laughs> I think that's what we call them. And yeah. evan- she's also an evangelist, a disciple maker, um, a transplant from Minnesota to Texas. We'll talk a little bit about that. She recently joined staff at Harris Creek Church with a friend of ours, JP Pocluta, who was on the show. Yeah. Um, she's been featured on Q Ideas, and she writes with our friend Sadie over at Live Original. So we are excited to have. Brie at the table with us. Excited to be here. Y'all are awesome. And I do drink coffee, lots of coffee. Yes. It's a nonstop thing over here. (laughs) Okay. Okay, Brie. So a couple things really quick. First of all, we had a lot of people from Minnesota on the show. There's, there's something happening there that I'm not, that I'm not seeing. So we need to pay attention to that. One, two, Brie, I think you might be the youngest guest we've ever had on the podcast. So this is like, this is like record level stuff here, right? We're just crushing records. We're crushing whatever records there are to crush. We will find them and we will crush them. So, so you got so Minnesota. You're you're from the great northern country of Minnesota, but now you're in Texas. So, so why why Minnesota to Texas? Yeah, that's a great question. I love Minnesota. I I'm still so biased to to the sweet sweet place I grew up in, and even moving to Texas. I think it was around this time, maybe like beginning of October when I moved to Texas where I started to realize like, oh shoot, like the, the leaves don't change. It doesn't get colder yeah. here. Yeah. And like, like where's fall? Uh, so even moving to Texas has been a, a silly thing, but I grew up in Minnesota and uh, about my senior year of high school, I really started to wrestle with if college was the next step of obedience for me. And I love school. So the idea of not going to school was never was never even something I was considering. And I started, I would say my really my junior year of high school was where the Lord had just lit this heart and just passion uh, to share the gospel and for my generation to know him. And and so I just fell in love with teaching God's word. And yeah, started to ask questions of, okay, where would I go to college? How can I know more of God's word? And as I started to wrestle with that, I think I came to the conclusion of like, hey, I think college is a next step of obedience for a lot of people. But if if my like goal in life is to see people come to know Jesus and to see people know God's word and fall in love with who he is, 
then like I don't have to do that on a college campus. Like that doesn't have to be the means in which I I do that. And so, uh, but but what I was sure of was that I needed to know more of God's word. Like what I was absolutely sure of was that there was a lot of teachers, speakers, authors who were uh, pursuing platforms and all these things with very little knowledge of the word of God. Mm. And that terrified me. Like mm. I, I was terrified of this idea of my, like the next generation growing up under conferences and churches and leaders who uh, were more concerned with posting like Instagrammable quotes and flashy cliches and and not knowing the word of God. And so, yeah, I wanted to study God's word. And so that's what led me to Texas. I moved to be a part of what's called the Watermark Institute. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a 10 month program through Watermark Church where really they just equip you to know God's word and, and to be a part of the local church. So I moved August of 2020 and lived in Dallas and then moved to Waco about a month ago to be on mission uh, with Harris Creek. So it's been a, a whole a whole journey, but it's been really sweet to see what God has done over the past year and a half. Um, I think the show is done. Wow. I mean, there's other questions, but of course there's other questions, but I think, I mean, just, just from jump street where you, the way you're, you're kind of talking about the necessity to move beyond platform imagery into sort of prophetic investment into your life with the word of God and how that, I, I, that that's, well, we were just talking about that before we got on the show, we were talking about young leaders who, um, but there's no way for us to predict 15, 20 years from now where they are, totally. but who are kind of rising quickly to influence and, and if there's any foundation for them to stand on. And so I think what we love is this basis of scriptural standard that you're kind of setting for yourself and for others. Tell us kind of where that comes from, because one, I, I think God prompts it and is by the Holy Spirit, but foundationally, the churches you grew up in or wherever, how did this love for scripture come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Even I love what you just said of, hey, yeah, we can't predict where where these leaders might be in the next 20 years. But the danger is with my generation is even with social media these days, you could have someone go viral on TikTok and have hundreds of thousands of followers all of a sudden. Then people find out that they're a Christian and they start inviting them to their conferences to speak. They start inviting them in all these spaces well, not having really any idea of if these people actually like know the living God, uh, but what we see is a follower, follower count. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you invite that influencer to speak at your conference, right. that means more right. money, more traction. Um, and in some people's eyes, like a bigger win. And the, the issue with that is then we have a ton of people where their, their influence is like at a hundred and their spiritual maturity could be at a zero. Yeah. And there's like, there's a massive gap. And as we continue to elevate those type of leaders without knowing, hey man, do they love and fear God? We could just be at a dangerous place. And so I think I think I, the, the passion began with really being raised in Minnesota, a culture uh, where I mean, it's just not the normal thing to know God and to go to church. Like yeah. moving to Texas, that was one of the biggest shocks was, oh, whoa, like, there's a lot of people here in Texas who say they love God, but they don't actually know God. Like they, they don't actually have a, a passion to share the gospel. And there is a massive gap between them professing Christ and actually believing that Jesus is Lord over their life. And in, in Minnesota, it's, it's much more hot or cold. Like you have, yeah. I grew up in elementary school with people who were unashamedly atheist and like were unashamedly not a fan of God. And 
I grew up in a, a family who loved Jesus and parents who taught me the word of God from a young age. And I think as high school came around, I started to see uh, just a generation where uh, the, the bad ideas that I was around in a public school had really like insane consequences that I don't think my generation was often aware of. And so I always describe to pastors like, and y'all know this, like if you spend any time on social media, you know that the next generation has been caught up in this trap of mm -hmm. relativism, this trap where, where they believe that their truth is their truth. And if you come against what their truth is, then you're offensive and uh, hurtful and you should be canceled. Like it just, that is the hostility of my generation. And I was watching it have a, a, a really harmful effect on my peers at school, like greater depression, suicide, anxiety, um, gender confusion, like just a lot of confusion and disparity. And, and so when I started my life to Jesus in eighth grade, it just, it became an obvious need that man, the people around me needed to know God. And in order to give them clarity and help them have direction, it ultimately had to come from a foundation of the word of God. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of ideas out there in culture right now. And I think a lot of those ideas have really bad consequences. And because of that have victims. And, and so I, I want to see a generation know God's word because without it, the direction they will go is, is not according to Christ. It's dangerous. And um, yeah, ultimately not the way of Jesus. So, mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I, it, it's like everything to me. So I love the question. Uh, so let's unpack this just for a second, because I think, I think, you know, looking forward into the future, the, the passion or the burden, right. The conviction is being driven by not a fear in the sense of unhealthy fear, but, but an awareness of the train wreck that could happen uh, as as Gen Z begins to grow and evolve into adulthood, into careers, totally. into family life, into faith life, right? So, so the train wreck ahead of us that we are seeing is the lack of foundation in God's word, in addition yeah. to this cultural onslaught that, again, it's not just in Minnesota, right? It's not just in California, Southern California, where, where I was for, for so long. It's not just there in these in these these types of states it's everywhere I mean, even johnny depp said the other day that you know I mean, i'm johnny quoting depp johnny said. depp on our on our I show love it. this, this <laughs> is important even johnny depp said the other day no one can escape cancel culture yeah no one is safe from it right so as we so as we kind of approach this train wreck for you just for you how do you see helping other peers or other leaders even those above you because i think what you're saying is not just for you. You're what you're saying is for me, right? Mm. So how how do you see the bend, or how do you see help tracking them towards a different route? Yes, God's word and the foundation of God's word, and leading them in all truth and righteousness by God's word. But for you, is there is a is there a more practical or a more tangible sort of approach that you're taking with your peers? To help help them curb that 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 train wreck that's down the road yeah that's a great question man i think it starts obviously with just a hungering for god like i think uh we're, we're seeing of course a generation who doesn't know god's word all these things we're saying like it's it's not only will it become a train wreck but it it is a train wreck today like they are they yeah. are far from jesus and 
And so, yes, can the word of God bring people to salvation? Absolutely. Like the, the truth will set them free. But I think it it starts with, hey, are we a people that like, are we helping people see God, hunger for God? Are we being a part of the mission of God to where the Lord is, we are allowing the Lord to use us as a means for eyes to be open, for ears to hear, for uh, hearts to be transformed? Like, do we actually believe that he is a resurrection God who intends to bring people from death to life. And, and does it start there? Like, do we believe that the gospel is the like power of God for salvation? Uh, because ultimately it's like my, my generation, they, they don't want God's word. Like there, there's no hungering for God's word outside of uh, a people who come to know Jesus. And so I was even reading in Nehemiah 8 this week and man, we see, you know, the people of God gather together as one man in unity to hear Ezra proclaim the law. And as they hear the word of God read out loud, uh, it, it brings them into reverence. It leads them to repentance. And then we see revival break out as they, you know, celebrate the Feast of Booths. And, but, but what, but to begin there, it's like, man, people wouldn't gather, like a bunch of people wouldn't gather to hear the word of God read out loud without the spirit of God leading them there. Like mm -hmm. people don't just wake up one day and say, okay, we want to hear the word of God read aloud for six hours and like stand to just hear scripture. And, and so, man, I think as a church, like first we need to be people that would pray and fast, seek the Lord on behalf of this next generation that, that man, the spirit of God would lead people to hunger for him because outside of the spirit of God doing that work, the next generation won't hunger for God. They will not hunger for God's word. They will not hunger for righteousness because doing, doing what is right in their own eyes and following their own truth, that's a really comfortable and fun and convenient way to live. Like to do what you want to do is, is a really, in some ways, liber liberating way to live. Whereas as believers, we know that man, true freedom comes in, in walking in what God has for us. And so, yeah, I'd say it first starts with a, a church that would fast and pray on behalf of this generation. That's what I saw be effective um, in high school was I, I met with a group of seven peers and we would pray every Tuesday and Thursday for hours. Um, usually like two to three hours, we would just pray. And on Thursdays we would fast and we would walk through our school hallways and we would pray over lockers. And, and, and so it started there. And I think all the, like the biblical literacy, that's a, that's a discipleship thing. That's a sanctification mm -hmm. thing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I think it starts with, man, how could I be a part of seeing a generation hunger for God? And yeah, I believe, I believe God, God wants to do it. Like he, I, I, people ask me all the time, like why I believe in Gen Z. And my response is always like, I don't believe in Gen Z. I have zero faith in Gen Z, but I have faith in a God who from Genesis to Revelation has continued to preserve a remnant and a people for himself because that's just what he does. And so I, I can be confident he's going to do that in this generation because he's a faithful God. And so the question is then, will we as a church be a part of that or will we just compromise and bend to culture? Uh, out of fear or insecurity or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I love that. The other, uh, I preached a message, at least part of a message that I include Isaiah 42, I think it was where it talks about God preserving that generation, right? He's always really? going to call a generation. So I think part of my role here at the campus is to help debunk sort of the lies and the, the attitudinal dispositions of people, not only within Gen Z, but people who are looking onto Gen Z, because I think, I think what you said is so keen. It's not so much that I believe in Gen Z, right? 
any more than we believe in millennials or Xers like us mm-hmm. or whoever, right? Whatever the generation is, it's it's not that they have something that one generation doesn't because God is the author of every generation. It's that it's that it's that understanding, it's that power of knowing, like you said, from Genesis to Revelation, that the redemptive work of Christ Himself, right? He will accomplish what he sets out to accomplish. Yeah. The word will not Praise return. Void. Those promises are yes and amen forever, right? And that's over every generation. So I think as we fast, as we praise, we lean into what God is saying to this generation. And I'm seeing it on our campus. And I and I there's a lot of narratives out there, but I'm seeing it on our campus. God is bubbling revival and outpouring all over this campus. Yeah. And it's it is so cool to kind of watch watch him do it, right? But um but yeah, anyway, so I, I lost my train of thought. I, I love that you I say that. Okay. I had a question at one point. This happens to me on occasion okay. on the show. That's why you went back on the caffeine. So <laughs> I love no. that you say though that you're that you're seeing it. I, I just wanted to touch yeah. on that really quick because I think people are like look at my generation and they're so discouraged. And I'm like, yeah, you should be. Like in, in some regard, you should be. Like there are there are a lot of people who don't know God, but I love that you just said like, Hey, no, I'm, I'm actually seeing revival on this campus because that is also true. Like anytime someone's discouraged by my generation, my response is, okay, yes, you can be, but the second you lose hope, you have lost sight of the gospel because God will continue to do what he intends to do. And there is a remnant of young believers who they want it. Like they they want revival. They want to see God transform lives. They are not about compromise and bending to culture. They are hungry for God and, and are doing crazy things as a result of it. And so I've seen that. And so it's encouraging to hear that, man, no, like there are, there are churches, there are pastors that are seeing this next generation really walk in the things of God um, because yeah, it's happening and it's exciting. The, and there's a, there's sort of a, we'll say a narrative, I guess, or an, maybe an understanding coming about that the attractional model of church that we once had the, the lights, the smoke, all the things that like, I'm not opposed to, I think I like a good show. I like a good show. Um, I'm not mad about it. Like, and I like, I like good music, but that's not the crux of what Gen Z wants. They want something authentic and experience authentic in scripture, authentic from, from the stage and the platforms, um, something real, so as a, as a member of that, that generation, is that holding true? Is that what you're, you feel like your generation really desires? Yeah, I, I love that you were even able to pinpoint that because that's often what the conversation I'm having with pastors is, hey guys, we don't, we don't need like the smoke. We don't need all the, all the crazy things. And I think it was result of at some point in history, the church decided to make church this like, comfortable seeker sensitive thing and then at some point with millennials I don't I don't even know I think millennials at some point then we went from church being comfortable to church being super cool we saw this like celebrity Christianity you know arise out of the ashes and and that's what my generation has like grown up seeing is is the celebrity pastors the social media like social media influencers all and it's just I think a lot of noise and what I've always said to pastors is, hey, I I think what my generation needs is two things. I think uh, we need clarity and I think we need community. And I think both those things are what you're saying. It's, it's an authenticity to the things of God. We need clarity from the word of God because we are confused. There's a lot of ideas out there. 
and culture is saying a lot of noisy things. And so we need direction from the authority of God's word to believe that it has actually been breathed out by the Holy Spirit himself. And if it's been breathed out by the spirit, then it has authority uh, for my today to rebuke me, to correct me, to train me in righteousness. Uh, and so we need God's word. And then we're, we're begging for community. Like we, and that's the authenticity piece too. Like we don't want, we don't want fake. We don't want facade. We are a generation that is, is really good at isolation. We are really good at uh, hiding behind the screen, you know, slamming the door, binging Netflix. And that's where, you know, temptation breeds. That's where, you know, pornography breeds. That's where insecurity, fear breeds like that. Temptation is, yeah, temptation will only will only bring us further and further away from God, this isolation culture. And so, uh, yeah, I think with that, like we need a church that that will have authentic community to where we are linking arms and doing the one another's of scripture, like bearing with one another's burdens and and rejoicing with one another and mourning with one another uh, because we're not we're not receiving that type of community from from anywhere else in in culture. And so, yeah, I think we need clarity and, and community. And I, uh, I, I am begging to see a generation that would uh, really like consecrate themselves before the Lord and, and live in a way that is holy. Like I, I think what happened in the, the comfortable and the, the cool of church is we missed out on a, a true, like a call for holiness and repentance. Like I think, yeah. um, I think even, I mean, I, yeah, historical dates are have messed up in my brain but i think my my parents generation if i could assume they were they were more raised on this like hell is real repent and believe like whatever super intense and i think that's where the sinker sensitive came out of this like uh wanting to combat from like fearing people towards uh, heaven but but somewhere down the line we missed we like then just forgot instead of being afraid that we would scare people into heaven we missed out on just yeah bringing back a, a real call to repentance and holiness and so uh, I think that's another gap that I'm seeing that as a young uh, leader as a young believer in Jesus like I want to call people to and so even our college ministry model at our church now isn't even like we don't have a one night service where there's you know lights and all the things it's we're on campus day in and day open rooms for college students to come and be equipped by god's word and evangelize together and so i think yeah it's stripping down what we've thought an effective church could be and coming back to just the simplicity of the gospel like acts 2 42 through 47 like just the simple things of god and i think if we do that yeah we'll see god continue to do what he's always done and and reconcile and save save humanity goodness gracious and i well there's there's my brain is like just okay pick one so this this is the add in me i'm like oh my gosh i'm like i'm, I'm in the candy land here uh, but no, I think, I think we recently had a conversation with John yeah. Tyson, Yeah. right? Uh, obviously a great, tremendous leader coming out of Manhattan. Um, but we touched a little bit on that with him, but we've had so many other guests on the show where we've talked about this resurgence of liturgical worship. And I think it's not so much about the, the liturgical in the sense of uh, Catholic sort of religious practice. Totally. And I'm not, I'm not slamming Catholics, obviously that's not the point, but sort of an imagery. 
but I think it's the the liturgical in the sense of we want meaningful expression. Yeah, that's good. Of of how God operates and moves in our lives, right? The and and th- I think that's sort of the drive behind it. And so some of that is again, I think this biblical illiteracy sort of conversation that we started off having because they don't really know God through Scripture. So they only know God through social media or through imagery or through perceptions or through newspaper clippings, unfortunately, or whatever, right? Fallen pastors, corrupt leadership, whatever the things are. So that's their image of God, not knowing him in his word. So if if the metrics are correct and about 4% of Generation Z has a biblical worldview, and that's a very loose description, right? Yeah. If, if, that, if that is the case, what are... What are some ways where we can begin to introduce God's word to Gen Z, right? Without having to necessarily be the street corner preacher and shove it down their throat. So you understand what I'm saying? Like that's a tension, but, but where do, Mm -hmm. where do we start? How do we, how do we help them fall in love with who God is in scripture, not on social media? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's so great. I, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, I don't think, I don't think it's, there's a brilliant idea other than like, Hey, in the, in the people we're, we're bumping shoulders with like the, the young people we're doing life with the, the leaders that were in front of the, the young people in our congregation, like, how can I get God's word in front of them? I think it's as simple as like, man, let's, let's just be a people that would teach God's word. Let's be a people that when we're meeting with with a young a young person at coffee or when we're driving them to a soccer practice like how how can i in in small like rhythms of my life introduce god's word be speaking god's word and that will start with with us being in god's word ourselves and so i heard someone say the other day it was a, a, a just a, a camp director this summer um he had just said hey like when when young people tell me they don't enjoy reading god's word my response is like, stop reading God's word. And he said, start like, like nowhere in scripture will you see, like read the the command to read God's word. The language instead is delight in God's word, meditate on God's word. So what if we, what if we gave Gen Z a perspective of, Hey, it's not like, obviously you're going to physically like read the words of scripture, but what if the perspective was instead like, Hey, don't, don't be someone who's just waking up to just do the drudgery and like do the the simple discipline of just reading God's word. What if you were to be someone who would pray that God would help you delight in God's word, that you would actually meditate on God's word, that you would want to sit in the word of God and and believe that it has the power to purify you and has the power to make you look more like Jesus. And, And so, yeah, I think like that's been in my heart lately of gosh, I, I want young people to see God's word as like a true treasure. Like when I sit in God's word, I, I am, I am experiencing the living God. And I believe that, like, I, I I hear people say all the time, you know, the the, the classic, like, if you want to hear from God, just open up God's word, read it out loud. And I'm like, I, I believe that, like, I see that I don't, my affections for God are stirred when I sit in the word of God and I hear from him. And so I think there's intimacy to be experienced there. I think there's uh, yeah, just true delight to be experienced. And so, man, if we could be leaders that would show Gen Z that of, Hey, it's not just this like thing I wake up every morning to do, but it's, it's a place where I meet with God. It's a, it's a place where I see 
the living God in, in action. And when I speak these words out loud, I, I watch things change. And, and that, I mean, that happened for me. I mean, it still happens for me of moments where I'm either walking in rebellion or just believing lies from the enemy or even just spiritual warfare. Like I I'll flick on the lights and just start reading scripture out loud. And I've watched, I've watched the Lord use that as a means to, to bring into greater joy and freedom. And so, yeah, I think it could be simple. Um, I think for pastors, like, yeah, you don't obviously sticky, sticky phrases in your sermons are helpful, uh, but allow the bulk of what you're teaching to be rooted in scripture, because we don't need, like, if, if you believe my generation is thirsty and hungry for God, then why would you do anything but, but give us God? And, and what I mean by that is, is why would you, uh, why would you spend time building these extravagant programs and posting these like flashy things and, uh, yeah, doing all these extra things. If you knew that truth was, was found in the word of God and that, um, freedom could be found there and yeah, don't give us anything, anything but God. And so, um, there's ways of course, methods to introduce that, but I think ultimately it has to start with, Hey, do, do we love God's word ourselves? And if we love God's word, because we view it as a treasure, then, then will we give that treasure away to young people? and believe it has the power to bring them into freedom. I want to push a little bit on that. I believe everything you're saying. Don't think I don't. I believe on everything you're saying. I'm in hundred percent agreement, agreement with. So where's this tension then? How do we find it? Because I think God is a creative God, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always, always make the joke that if the Lord saw fit to make a monkey with a red rear end, he's very creative. Like, so, but we have God's truth. So where do we hold this tension of, of being creative communicators of the gospel and and being truthful like i'm i'm a big fan of being contextual like i don't just cut and paste like scripture out and preach on it i'm sort of applicational exegetical like let's take four or five verses and let's look at it but i think also there's this this god is creative so how do we hold the tension of being contextual and creative at the same time yeah no that's great and i i'm I, i i appreciate your pushback and it's even man, an encouragement to me of, uh, yeah, I think, I think my passion comes from like, I just, I just have seen so many pastors do it wrong. And so I I appreciate you. I agree. I agree. We are probably some of those pastors. (laughs) Literally. No, so I, I appreciate you being like, Hey, no, there's a right way to do this. Um, cause I agree with you. There's, there's a first Corinthians nine of like, Hey, how do we become all things, all people? Like I, the church I came from watermark, uh, where G where JP used to, used to lead. I mean, one of the like core values of the porch our young adults ministry is relevancy. And, and I, I don't know a church truly. I mean, I would say this about Harris Creek too. And in some ways they're like sister brother churches, but watermark is one of the most faithful, uh, I mean, that church is convictional. That church leads with God's word. That, that church is is passionate about seeing seeing people discipled and, and know the Lord. And yet we we would tell you the porch uh, has been our like funnel into the church. Like it is, it is relevant. I mean, we do we do all the things and and in that there's a call to membership, there's a call to like be fully devoted. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think um absolutely there's creative ways to present God's word. There's creative ways to reach the next generation. Even, even if that means like 
gosh, I don't know if, if Gen Z can sit in a 40 minute message. Like, I don't, I don't know if, if that's helpful for them. And so I think even with social media, we're seeing creative ways where Gen Z really is coming to know God through short clips on 15 to 30 second clips on TikTok as, as crazy as that is for me, because I'm like, I don't even know what TikTok is. I feel like I, I, that's like, that feels foreign to me, even though I'm literally in that generation. Uh, but you're right. And, and I'm grateful that, I mean, the image of God is being reflected in believers in creative ways to where they are finding creative means to share the gospel. I think my only tension is let's never allow that to be um, at a compromise for for teaching the orthodox things of scripture because right. we are we are seeing a generation i mean deconstruction is like just the popular thing these days right. um and and we're forfeiting the the orthodoxy of our faith and and that's leading us to a dangerous place so um, i think those things can be so fun it's it's more at uh, i don't want that to ever come at the cost of of truth because uh, we've bought this narrative that gen z is soft and fragile and they can't hear truth and so we've just bent to that instead of um instead of fighting against it because i do think we're soft i think i think gen z is fragile in a lot of places but we can't just continue to feed that fragility by like free giveaways and like yeah, yeah. all these yeah. fluffy things i think there there comes a point where we're going to have to fight against that and doesn't mean throwing away all the fun uh because god is super fun like church should be fun um if we believe in a living god you know but uh yeah so i guess that didn't even really answer your question but i i appreciate you wanting to fight for the tension and um yeah, that that's a, that's something I could grow in for sure. So, and, and I think I think Bree, I think is really what it comes down to is back to the statement of authenticity. Like, don't be creative just to be foolish, right? But but we can be creative and be authentic in communicating the context in the scripture, and so it's understandable. I always go back to the fact that Jesus spoke Hebrew, he spoke Aramaic, you know, he he spoke both languages of the people, so they understood relevancy was coming to the place and being able to speak the language of the people. Yeah. So they understood the message. So I think creativity may be for us in the contextualization of scripture is making sure we're able to speak the language of the people so that the message is understood. Like for sure. I think that's the significance of being what we call relevancy is just making it, making the message understandable for people and for across generations. Um, So, so if I say, if I say this message hits different, am I in the zone? (laughs) yeah depending on who you're talking to (laughs) no i think i think yeah that's good that's a good point i I think i think these are incredible conversations let's let's switch gears just a little because like we said at the beginning of the show this whole podcast really started with a conversation about two questions fundamentally why is gen z leaving the church and how do we get them to stay right that's those are the Mm -hmm. two driving sort of philosophical theological, biblical sort of questions that we're asking on this show. So from your perspective, when you think about those two questions, um, how do we, what are those answers? Why is Gen Z leaving the church or are they leaving the church? One, Mm -hmm. two, how do we get them to stay or can we get them to stay at least in our, in our construct of what church is? Yeah. I think there's a part of me that, uh, I don't, I just don't know like how much of, and again, I think this is 
probably contextual to my experience, but there's a part of me that's like, was Gen Z in the church to begin with? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good question. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if they were in the church to begin with, at least what I've seen. Um, But man, how do we get them to stay? I think, gosh, I think there's a call to discipleship. I think uh, we need to, yeah, invest in the lives of this next generation. Like it's just, it's not about just hosting a service and, uh, you know, teaching them the word of God, but it's about like, hey, are we willing to, are we willing to uh, sacrifice our own conveniency uh, and even like comfortability to just show up in the lives of young people? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I, I want to see the next generation disciples. I want to see them love God more. And so I don't know if I can perfectly answer your question because I think there's a part of it to where like being a Gen Zer, I'm like, gosh, I just like, I I don't, I don't understand the trends perfectly to understand or to to adequately answer that. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Gen Z maybe wasn't even in the church to begin with. And then I think the ones that are uh, have, maybe bent to this cultural Christianity. And so, yeah, I think it's all the things we've been saying of, I want to see a call to holiness, a call to righteousness and uh, a righteous living that we would be a generation that doesn't like have it, you know, a verse in our Instagram bio and then post these like scandalous pictures. You know, it's like, we just don't, there's not even a real like high degree or just high call for purity with this next generation. Yeah. And so I think there's compromise in small ways uh, to where there's a discipleship issue of, Hey, we need to disciple this next generation uh, so that they can love God and know the things of God. And I, th- I think, I think this is probably the crux of the whole, whole equation that, that, that we've discovered in this whole yeah. entire process. One, I actually had this conversation yesterday with a denominational leader because he asked me, said, you know, what are two things that, that you need? as, as the campus pastor of university, of course, the first one was just sincere, earnest prayer, not just in the generic sense, but we need to call out the outpouring and the revival for this generation that Mm -hmm. I see happening. One, two, two, we need to create high levels of systematic structured discipleship realities for college students on campuses, because our generation Man, we love an encounter with God. I think yes. the biblical illiteracy piece started with us, our generation. Yeah, we were we were yeah. chasing the spirit, chasing, not the scripture. Chasing mm-hmm. the spirit of God, not the scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So so we love the encounters and we've created a culture of encounters, thus the seeker-sensitive yeah. church kind of models. And I'm not anti-seeker-sensitive. I was in one for a long time. So yeah. at, the point is we've created this system of encounters with God, encounters with God, encounters with God with never actually creating discipleship mechanisms that follow the encounters, right? That's the unhealthy rhythm of at least the American church that we, that we now have is we're awesome at creating experiences and encounters with God that don't actually lead them into a deeper relationship and understanding of who Christ actually is. And so we've got to interrupt that cycle by adding depth. We've got to interrupt that cycle by adding sincere discipleship realities two students who encounter God, but now they know who they encounter. So, so Rob, can I push on this? This is, yeah, so yeah. discipleship is like a, like we've, we've done a lot of conversations on it. Rob and I have both wrote extensively on it in, yeah. in different places. Can, can people be disciple makers 
who were never disciples. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so if they've never been discipled by somebody and invested into, can they go and do likewise like the Lord has called them to? Because the 12 he sent out has spent three years with him. Yeah. So, so mechanisms are great and systems are great. Right. But if you don't have the people, like, so it sounds like brief from your story, somebody was investing and pouring into you and all of a sudden that cup got full and it's p- pouring out and spilling out onto others. Yeah. Where do, where do we begin that process with Gen Z and getting, getting them full that they spill out on other people? Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. I, I love it all, what the both of y'all are saying. What I hear is like, Hey, not only do we need to encounter God, but we need like, we need to out of that, then be equipped to know yeah. like who is this God. And, and so that, that's the discipleship piece. I, gosh, I even heard someone say the other day, like we've become really good at inspiring young people. Mm. And, and not like truly then in, informing them with with knowledge as to how how they are to you know look like God, feel like God, think like God, you know. And and in Jesus, we've you know been given a, like a, the spiritual mind of Christ. And so um, I think of um, I want to say it's First Timothy four seven where it talks about like being trained for godliness, disciplining yourself for godliness. Was I wrong? Was I right? <laughs> Around there, First yeah, Timothy right. four, I think. Um, and I'm like, gosh, what would it look like to discipline young people for godliness? I think it can be really simple. What I'm seeing work um, on our college, on the college campus of Baylor University is, uh, man, just inviting young people into the rhythms of your life and teaching them like, hey, do you, could you articulate the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? Why do we share the gospel? How do we share the gospel? Uh like, what do you know about fasting? What do you know about praying? What do you know about God's word? Like these really simple, simple disciplines. Um, and so in my life, uh, the woman who discipled me this past year, you know, it, it didn't look just like 8am at a coffee shop. Like we didn't, we didn't just meet every, you know, every Tuesday at 8am at Starbucks to like get in God's word. It also looked like, you know, her inviting me when she's picking up her kids from school and, you know, to family dinners where I'm getting to watch her, you know, uh, respond to her husband. I'm getting to watch her discipline her children. I'm getting to watch her encourage her children. And, and that's like, that's also a part of discipleship. So not only is she, you know, teaching me the word of God and teaching me the things of God, but I'm just getting to like watch her live her life. And so, I mean, that's what we see, uh, you know, Jesus model of discipleship, like his, his mission and his, you know, master plan of evangelism, as some would call it, was to bring around, to bring these 12 into his everyday rhythms of life. And so, you know, they watched Jesus uh, encounter people. They watched Jesus uh, heal people. They watched Jesus uh, meet people. And, and so it's, it's not just about the, the, the teaching. I think that's a part of it, but it's about, hey, would you invite young people into your life? And, and what, like allow them to follow you as you follow Christ. And so um, I think that's a, a really simple way we can define discipleship is, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, for me, like discipleship in my life today uh, looks like, you know, having one, one younger girl who's a couple years younger than me that I get to include her into my life. Like yeah. she's not just something I add to my schedule or add to my calendar, but she's included in my, in my rhythms of life. And uh, we were going through, um, we're going through the book of Ezra right now. And so she's, she's getting to actually be equipped in the, 
in the word, but also like just follow me as I live my life. And as we like, you know, engage with strangers and evangelize on campus and pray together. Um, So yeah, I'm a fan of simplicity. I'm a fan of like, I just think all these things we're talking about are much more simple than, than we've made them out to be. And, um, and it's an invitation for us to walk in the way of Jesus and, and to walk like Jesus did and to meet people like Jesus did and and to disciple people like Jesus discipled. And yeah, it's the call on our life that we would go there for and make disciples. And, and, and too often, I think we've neglected that, um, because it's just not easy. Like it's, it's not, it's not convenient. Um, it's going to take sacrifice on our part to disciple the next generation and, and it's going to take investment. So. Yeah. And what you're yeah. saying is it's messy. Like, yes, yeah. it's messy. <laughs> it's like yeah. to walk with somebody is messy. Like yeah. you got to walk totally. in their, in their life and they're walking with you and they're seeing your mess and, and it's not clean cut and it's not systematic always. It's, I like systems. I like structures. Yeah. But what I realized about discipleship is, is a lot of what, what my mentor called my disciple, the guy that discipled me was window time. Like if he was going somewhere, I was going yep. like, yeah. and we were just seeing life. And in those moments, Jesus was a master at this. He would, he would make lessons out of the moment. So if there's a, if there's somebody fishing, if there's somebody herding sheep, there was a oh, lesson in the moment. And so I think that's part of the discipleship process. Sure. Sit down and read scripture together but also teach in the moment, like, yeah. like let yeah, the moment yeah. be a teacher as well from the capacity of truth of scripture, which, which I think is a whole spiritual warfare conversation. I don't even think we have time to touch on today because, because the, the, the enemy has been so, um, so effective, uh, not in the destruction necessarily of people's lives, but in the, in the, uh, distraction of people's oh, lives, good. right? Not creating us, not creating the space to be messy with other people, or much less messy with 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 ourselves, right? And so, so the Netflix binging or whatever, the isolation, but it, but it's also our generation and the protectiveness and in the in the 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 pursuit of things that we we deem valuable that really aren't valuable, and not opening our homes to young adults and not opening our lives up to to other people to disciple. Now, this is not across the board, everybody. Obviously, I mean, there are people who are mm-hmm. doing this every single day, but still, okay. I think it's a it's a it's a spiritual warfare question that w- that we need to address, not in just the local church, but in the whole body of Christ. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I talked to a guy the other day. He said he said my dream that this is a true story. He said he said my goal, my dream is to empower and equip you to become the hands and feet of Jesus. Basically, I'm paraphrasing what he said. Yeah. Um, for you to do the ministry of the local church, not me. And yeah. he said, he said 50 people got up in the middle of the sermon after he said that and walked out of the church. Wow. 50. Wow. This is now that's an extreme example, right? But it's an example nonetheless of the attitudinal disposition again of, of the warfare piece that were and the entertainment piece that we're up against and all those kinds of things. So. Oh, uh, that's so good. And, and ultimately it's like, Hey, do we, do we actually believe that like a phrase me and my friends throw around is like, Hey, it's, it's wartime. Like we, yeah, we yeah, don't have yeah. time to just like mess with, with all, with whatever the enemy's doing and, and with culture. Cause I'm just like, gosh, there, there are people that are dying without God. Like we as believers get to be soldiers that are enlisted 
by God to be faithful. And so, yeah, it's not, we're not dependent on a pastor or a leader to teach us the things of God. Like it is, it is about to what you're saying, the body of Christ, Mm. you know, stepping up to say, Hey, I I'm a part of this war. Like I, it is time for me to engage in this war and to fight faithfully. uh, Because if I, if I don't like, then this generation will head even more so in a direction that's not according to Christ. And so we get to rest in the sovereignty of God as we participate in what he's doing. And so, yeah, there's just a, there's a call for us to like actually live. Like we believe that Jesus is coming back. And, and if we believe that, then it's, it's time for us to, to be ready and, and to be faithful and, and live like we believe the things that we, we say we believe. So, so you lead into one of our questions we, or discussions that we have a lot on the show. And that is this, how, how did we as pastors, as leaders, open the door for Gen Z? How do we, how do we open the door for you guys not to lead 10 years from now? Yeah. But I mean, right now, like, like how do we open the door for you to be an influencer, not in the social media sense, but, but in the spiritual sense, how do we do that for you right now? Yeah. I really appreciate this question because I, oh gosh, I had pastors do this really well for me growing up. And I always tell pastors like, uh, young people want to hear from young people. They, they're not drinking in high school because they watch their parents drink wine and they think it's okay. Like they're drinking because their friends drink, they wear what their friends wear, they listen to what their friends wear or listen to what their friends listen to. And, and something shifts. I've, I've watched it happen so many times. Something shifts when, when young people hear from other young people about the love of Jesus. And, and so I watched pastors invite us into their spaces. Like they, when they were having and this is simple and practical, but even when pastors at my church were trying to figure out like, hey, what's our, what's our next sermon series going to be in the college ministry or with our youth or with our young adults, like they were inviting those youth and those young adults and those college students in that conversation to say like, hey, what do y'all need? What are y'all, uh, what are y'all seeing? What, it, what would be helpful for you guys? And, and so I think sometimes it's really as simple as inviting young people to the table. And then I think with that, it's, uh, as pastors, like there's a responsibility to, to shepherd the flock. And part of that shepherding is, man, like pointing out giftings in your students and in young people and then providing opportunity for them to run in that. And so for me, like my youth pastor, uh, before I even really, I would say, had any language to put around having a, a gift of teaching he called that out in me in my you know sophomore year of high school he called me one day on the phone and was like hey I believe that you have a gift of teaching and I want to help develop that in you and so anytime I would teach anywhere anytime I would speak anywhere he would even provide spaces for me to do that within our youth group but he would we would watch my messages like film and he would he would give me like harsh feedback <laughs> and it, yeah, I yeah. still to this day like look at just even those moments and was discipled and developed in those ways that have now impacted my ministry today but so I think for that's what it looked like for me of hey I had a pastor that saw gifting in me spoke it out and then didn't just leave me there with like this I think the Lord's gifted you in this way but thought to shepherd me and develop that and fan into flame what the Lord was doing so I think that's an opportunity uh, for pastors to really see young people as, hey, they're not just this like warm body in your congregation. If they have the spirit of God in them, then they like they are a tool to this ministry to help advance the kingdom of God. And so right. I tell young people and I'm like, 
don't, if this goes to your head, then that that's a sin issue. But I tell young people all the time, I'm like, y'all are powerhouses, yeah. not because yeah. you're anything great, but because first Corinthians six nineteen tells you that you're a temple of the Holy spirit. Acts one, eight says that you've received power from the Holy spirit. So by definition, you house power, like you, you are a powerhouse. And if you believe that, then there's work to be done. And so, yeah, I think pastors like having that view of your students, they're not just yeah, this warm body in your congregation, but for those that know God, they, they house power. And so it would be foolish on our part to not, to not engage those humans um, and those spiritual beings as a part of our ministry. Um, and it doesn't have to look flat. I mean, so many of my most developing parts of ministry have been like stacking the chairs and serving donuts and just doing the small faithful things to be a part of what God's doing in the ministry. Um, but yeah, invite young people to, to the table and, and invest in them. So, so Brie, you mentioned the stacking chairs and giving donuts where everybody's in search of a platform, either on yeah. social media or an actual platform. Um, and, and we, we need to call them disturbing. Like I'm, I'm a fan of that. Let's call them disturbing. Is your generation willing to stack chairs before they get the platform? Are they willing to give donuts before they get the stage? Yeah, I pray so. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't, again, I don't want to make. I, I don't I wanna, so. Let's not make blanket statements over <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, um, totally. there are some, and we've had some on this show who who have talked extensively about their time serving before they got to the stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I'd say that's like. I mean, not to like the obviously God be glorified, but I'd say that that's my story of, man, I, uh, the Lord in his kindness has for some reason given me, uh, platforms, however you want to call it to share the gospel and to teach God's word. And, uh, that that's been really sweet, but that came from, it came from the, the stacking of chairs and, and the like little faithful things, um, that no one sees and are, you know, part of, yeah, part of the trenches, but yeah, I think there are young people willing. Um, but I, but I think again, as leaders, we're gonna we're gonna have to lead with language to where we don't make the platform this uh, this like end all be all of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like I just I don't ever want that to be the posture that we we use language as leaders to where young people think like that's where I have to go. That's yeah. what I need to be in order to say I've arrived. Because uh, I think that's in some ways what TikTok's done is it's it's become really easy to go viral. And because of that, like I heard someone say um, that, like, I want to say it's like between 40 to 50 percent of Gen Z believes that they will be famous one day. Like not not only do, do they want to be famous, they think they will be famous one day. And so uh, that that's just those are the things happening w- to where uh, we're going to have to shift the conversation of, hey, like the Lord the Lord honors the faithful in little and, and faithful in much. And he honors the the simple things of obedience. But yeah, I think, I think people are willing. <laughs> I, I pray so. Great, man. I'm telling you what we have. I'm, I'm loving this conversation. Um, <laughs> and, and we're so close to out of time here. And I wish we could spend a little bit more time unpacking some of these incredible thoughts. Um, but we have one question that we ask everyone on the show. And we're we're going to ask you in present tense because you're still in school, right? So, but is what is one lesson that you are learning in college that you're that you're not learning inside of the classroom? Hmm. That's so good. Uh, I think this like this this past season, it's been a 
realization, a really freeing realization of like, there is no situation, space, or season I will ever enter into without the power, peace, and presence of God. And, and that, that's, I've been clinging to that lately. Yeah. Like I, as I moved to Waco and life is like constantly in transition. I think especially for young people, like we're just in this in-between phase, especially in college where we're like moving towards something, but we're kind of just in this in-between. We're trying to figure out who we are. We're trying to figure out life. We're trying to figure out what we're passionate about, what we want to do. And, and I think it can be freaky in some ways. Like it's terrifying to think of, uh, man, what the future will hold in, in some regard. But, uh, and so I've rested in, in this past season of life of, hey, because the spirit of God resides in me, because I know God, I get to walk in, in the freedom that there, there will never be a season of life. There will never be a space. There will never be a situation in life that I'll ever enter into without the power, peace, and presence of God. And that carries me, like that frees me. And, and it is, it is what, uh, it's what sustains me today. Like I'm not, I'm not a Christian today because I perfectly followed Jesus yesterday. I'm not a Jesus follower today. I don't teach the Bible today or disciple people today because I'm just like crushing it in life. Cause that is not true. But I, I am all those things because I have a God who has continued to hold fast to me. Like even when I don't want him, even when I am walking in the ways of this world or, or wanting to pursue my own agenda. Like I have a God who is just reeling me back. And, and, and um, yeah, the simple way I would put it is like, he is just continuing to throw oil on the fire of my faith. Mm -hmm. And that's just who he is. Like he continues to stir my affections for him. He continues to draw me closer to him. He continues to open my eyes to, to new things of his character. And, and he's just holding fast to me. His power is holding fast to me. His presence is holding fast to me. His peace is holding fast to me. And it's because of that, that um, I'm okay. I like God yeah. <laughs> more and more every day. I, um, I want to be faithful. Like it, it's just because of who he is that I'm getting to engage in the mission of God. And, and so in, especially in, in today, today's culture where, Man, in the past two years, I think the reality of of what's evil and dark has become really real to us. And things are constantly changing with COVID, with all, all of the things, with vaccines. And, and it's in this like crazy, you know, upside down transition that I've just had to hold fast to the things of God uh, because nothing else will sustain, nothing else will, will satisfy in the way that even my heart wants it to sometimes. And so, yeah, I am prone to wander, but I, I have a God who who continues to hold fast to me. And, and that's my anchor. And it, it is what will continue to uh, initiate faithfulness in me today and tomorrow and to the end. So yeah, I, that, that's how I'd simply put it, but I've been so grateful for my time with y'all. This has been such a joy. I feel like we could talk forever. Oh yeah, And for sure. <laughs> one day maybe I'll come to, to Lee university and we can hang out, but absolutely. Yeah. I love we, it. we promise you a cup of coffee. If you get the Lee. <laughs> We will. I love it. Coffee. We promise. Awesome. We'll hold that promise. Well, Bree, we have loved it. And as we always say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Bree. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.